Welcome to the show. Paul George here. Great to be with you in studio with the world-famous Adam Conk. Adam, how you doing? Hey, Paul. Now, look, when it's NBA playoff time, we have to put a disclaimer that you're not that Paul George. Well, this is the, the predicament that I'm in these days. Adam, I don't know if you know this or have seen this. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? But it is a real problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the NBA playoffs, the National Basketball Association, which is a super long season, by the way. I think if yeah. you were to ask any of the players, which I don't know, personally, they'd probably want a shorter season. But finally, we're here to the playoffs. And if you're a basketball fan or not, like you know they're going on. But here's a predicament I'm in, is that there's literally a star basketball player named Paul George. Is it a predicament? Well, I mean, honestly, like a lot of people know this, mm-hmm. and then I go speak somewhere, or they hear me, and it's like, <laughs> oh, you're, you're not the Paul George, and it's like this constant like sort of joke, and I'm like, it's not funny. <laughs> I've it's, had enough. I've had enough. <laughs> Has anyone shown up to a talk expecting the NBA Paul George? I've had, yeah, I've had at like a youth no conference. Yes, yes. And they're like, who's this? Who's this? Oh my gosh, guy? that's terrible. Yeah, we don't look alike. I mean, he's younger, more handsome, taller, darker, richer, all the things. Well, maybe you could write to him about changing his name. So if you Google, like, my name on, you know, the Internet, or if you go to, say, Amazon, and you're looking for my book, and you don't type in the title of the book, Rethink Happiness, but you title it, you you put in my name, Paul mm-hmm. George. Okay, so the book will come up my name but so will his Mm, he's got a book so he's got a book that's like for sale for like two bucks it's like what did he write about skills and drills by paul jordan you know like i don't know basketball book yeah it's a basketball book but so it's got his book and his picture then it's got me and my picture and a friend of mine screenshotted it the other day and sent it to me he's like which one do i get which one's you i'm like stop this is way way too much you can ask him to change his name. I will. You can. He should go Spanish. Pablo Jorge. I didn't even think about that because you don't have to change it. You just go by a different language. Right. You rebrand yourself. Bella a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But same name. So the rebranding process. The re- and if, if one of you would, it should be him, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway... Um, I want to talk about this. This is this is kind of a, a theme we got going on. Adam is th- there was this study done on the most Catholic cities in the states, mm-hmm. right? The, the United States, the United States, um, and not only that, they were doing other religions. You know, the whole studies. So, so what they identified as one that that had the most Catholics was Lafayette, Louisiana, where we live. So where we live and breathe. Yeah, people from all over listen to the show. Uh, and and the podcast, but but here here's really the the thing that's kind of hiding the whole thing. I, w- I want to re- you know talk about this and kind of reveal it a little bit more because if you look at the statistics, okay, uh, we have the most Catholics per capita. So it's mm-hmm. not saying that we have the most Catholics because if you go to another city, probably like Boston or Houston, you'd have more Catholics yeah. there. And New York City has the most everybody, I think. Yes. So we're just per capita, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? We're smaller town, we say we're 100 something thousand people per capita. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the most Catholics. It's saying that we have 50% of our population is Catholic. Okay. But here's what it doesn't do it doesn't go into how many of those are practicing. 
their faith. That's true. It just says how many identify as Catholic. Right, right? like they filled out a survey and said, yep, I'm Catholic. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you were to take the statistic on how many are actually l- practicing their faith, you know, the statistics go down to like 20% mm. of Catholics are actually practicing their faith. All right, so, you know, we're boasting here about, you know, this whole thing and, and, and whatnot, but, but here is the thing. Our population has increased over the years. Yeah. Right? Dramatically. Dramatically. But the amount of Catholics has decreased over the years. By a large percentage. So the trend is is that population's growing, Catholics are decreasing, and the amount of maybe other faiths are increasing, but Catholics are decreasing. Yep. Yeah. And and look, I am very happy to be in the most Catholic city in the country, and a lot of people move here. And when I say a lot, I do mean a lot of really great families who are practicing their faith around the country, hear about Lafayette, they visit, they're like, wow, this is wonderful, and they move here because of the great environment. And but it I, is. And I think, But I think the statistic of the most Catholic city in the country has more to do with what was done 40 years ago than what's being done now. Right. And I don't mean that to insult my own church. We're awesome. I love our church. It's great. But we're facing the same crises as everybody else. Yeah, and that's exactly what I want to get to, because it says f- there's been a 14% growth in population mm-hmm. Okay, um, since 2016. But there's been an 18% decrease in Catholics. Okay, That's so more. that same trend, what I'm getting at, is not only here, but it's in other cities, yep. other dioceses, other states, other places. And I think a lot of times, if you're in a heavily, maybe, uh, Christian-based Catholic city, you know, you kind of sit on your loins and you just say, oh, we're just going to kind of, you know, take it easy, Right, and what, yeah. what we were really talking about off air is that the church thrives when it's under adversity, yeah. When it's when it's really, um, you know, the seed of the church is what the blood of the the martyrs, the right? martyrs. Well, and the thing is about Cajun Catholic culture is that they were so mistreated for their faith. That's why it was so strong, right? And that's why it was handed down to their children because it was important to them because they suffered for it, right? And our grandparents, Paul, you know, would go to churches that they built, right. that they got together, and they weren't carpenters or architects, but they actually suffered and sacrificed their own money, their own time, their own whatever, in an environment where it wasn't easy to do so, and they built these churches. And then now their grand- grandchildren are sitting in these churches, and most of us don't tithe, like we don't give any money right. to our we don't Most volunteer. Or not volunteering. We're not living disciples. We're not spreading the gospel. So l- let me give you sort of maybe the opposite end of this. So I was in the Diocese of Richmond, Virginia. If you know anything about Virginia, there's only two dioceses, Richmond and Arlington. Arlington is by D.C. It's a huge metropolitan city. Richmond is more rural. You know, the, uh, And there's 10 hours between each end of the diocese. All right? So there's some cities in that diocese that you can't even get a job if you're Catholic if they find out you're Catholic. It's so heavily Protestant wow. or you know non-Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. So it's basically maybe overall four percent Catholic, four percent, right? And in some areas, it's less than one percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, okay. So so take that into effect where you're fifty percent who identifies Catholic here. 
Well, the amount of work that they're doing as Catholics, like they're uniting together and they're not fighting over all these petty little things. They're saying, look, we're few and far between. We're linking arms and we're not letting our church die out. So what they've seen is a real increase in discipleship, people who are taking their faith seriously. And they've increased the numbers from 4% to 5%. So they're actually growing slowly, but growing, not yeah. decreasing. Whereas here, we're decreasing. Why? Because I think it's we kind of just sit on our hands and be like, oh, we're, it's part of our culture. We've always been this way. But yet, if maybe only 20% of Catholics are practicing their faith, that means 80% of people aren't. Mm-hmm. Like, we should have that as a sign in our room or in our you know, bathroom when we wake up, that should motivate us each day as Catholics to say, I got work to do out there. Yeah. Like, I, I, I got to live my faith and share my well, faith. Well, it's our turn. You know, like I said, our grandparents did it. Like, they had, they received the faith. They worked hard to pass it on to their children to, to build up the church. And now it's our turn, you know, and, and it's not a bad thing. But no. That's how the church works. No, but here's the... For 2,000 years, the, the, it's, it's our turn. The latest statistic I read is that Three out of four Christians, three out of four, don't believe that sharing your faith is part of the dogma. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. So if only one in four believe so, then, you know, we have work to do to really ignite people's heart and faith to say, yeah, not only do I want to live my faith, but I have an obligation to share my faith to bring the gospel to the world around me, right? In my family, my workplace, and all those things, so that in 20 or 30 years from now, we're not down to 10% Catholic. In our well, area. you know, another very Catholic city, traditionally, uh, Pittsburgh. Yep. They, uh, did you see this? They released mm-hmm. how they're consolidating a lot of parishes and forming these pastoral teams, which I think is interesting, where groups of parishes are put together and there's going to be one pastor, but right. then lots of priests and lay people part of a team. And uh, I think it is a time of getting very creative because we have a crisis on our hands. Yep. And, you know, I mean, we've the church has been creative for about 40 years now, and some of that creativity has not worked out too well. Yep. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we just got to admit that institutionally and uh, leadership-wise, we can meet the challenges in front of us, but we have to be willing to discuss them and, and you know, be creative to meet them. Amen. All right. Well, we got a great topic today we're going to talk about. So oh. sorry for that rant. It's the Paul George Show. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Great to be with you. Awesome first segment. I didn't mean to leave sort of that segment on this, you know, this depressing sort of like (laughs) statistical... Well, I think the whole Paul George thing has just got you cranky. <laughs> uh, but I, it's true, right? So that that's where we are. And I kind of really want to lead this this next conversation around 
another statistic that I've been experiencing in all the, the ministry stuff that I've been doing, the talks, the interactions with people, and even, you know, bro, honestly, in my own life. So um, there's been a 40% increase since 2005 um, statistically in people dealing with anxiety. 40%? 40%. And it's even higher among young people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I think adults, a lot of adults don't admit when they're dealing with anxiety. But here's the reality. It's sort of this 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 thing that every human deals with some type of anxiety or stress in their life. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're not void of that. Like, I don't know of a perfect person. <laughs> I don't know of anybody who's never been stressed, hasn't had an anxious moment, uh, and hasn't maybe even dealt with a little bit of mild depression, you know, or whatever the case may be. Like... Here's the reality, bro. We're human, and we deal with these types of emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even you, Happy Adam. Even me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, and I don't think we realize how important key relationships are in our life for anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we treat it as a symptom, but not necessarily ask, like, why am I so anxious about X, Y, Z? And a lot of times... There are avenues to explore within the faith or, you know, counseling, but even just within the gospel. You know, there are many situations in the gospel that we can pray and meditate about that will reveal in our heart, you know what, I'm anxious about this because I'm missing this in my life, or there's something wrong with this relationship in my life, and that's why I'm anxious. Right. Look, I'm not an expert on this, but I deal with things in my own life and with people, um, in the mentoring stuff that I do, and you know, I write about this in in the book a little bit, but but outside of that, there's basically two. There's here's what gives us anxiety: things, mm. life. Okay, and I basically you know, there's there's two things that bring us anxiety: things that we can't change, like we have no control over, like we we literally can't change. Like I can't change the weather. Mm. You know, I, I can't change certain things. I can't change or people, people yeah. right? And there's things that we can change. Both those things bring us anxiety. Is that the question that I keep going back to is, how do I surrender and, and breathe and get peace into my life with the things that I can't change? And how do I surrender and have peace in my life with the things that I can change? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, it's funny. We're talking about it. Last week I was... Uh one of the Gospels of the day, there's this phrase I never noticed before Jesus said, but he said, uh, I do the works that the Father gave me to do so that the world may know that I love him. Something to that effect. I'm, I'm butchering it. Normally I'm better with scripture verses. But for some reason I never paid much attention to this idea that his Father gave him a specific mission, and we're talking about surrender, that he was always surrendered to. In other words, everything about him was trusting the Father with the mission the Father gave and his fidelity to that showed the world how much he loved the Father. So I was asking myself exactly that question. It's like, all right, there's so much in my life right now, or all the time, but what exactly did God actually give me to do? Like, what am I confident that the Father gave me to do, and how faithful am I to that? And there was such a peace in letting go of some things, because I, it helped prioritize my life, but I think it in a way, it, 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 it helps the surrendering process to ask that question. Like, what did God actually ask me to do yeah, in my life? You know? Absolutely. This, this whole idea of surrender, we'll get to it in connection with anxiety and lack of peace. You mm-hmm. know, the, all those things are connected. All right. Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, when he was cardinal before Pope Benedict, 
for those of you who didn't know, that's who became the Pope. He nice. was Cardinal, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger from Germany. And he said um, the word conversion, metanoia, rethink, means to come out of self-sufficiency, to discover and accept our poverty. Authentic freedom comes when we totally surrender. Hmm. And this is, this is the process of how we change, how, how we have conversion to change, right? To, to, to rethink, to move into peace in our life, into freedom. And, you know, I've had two conversations with adult men in the last week, both around vocational crisis, okay? And they weren't around like their marriage vocational crisis, more around their work, their lack of peace, the lack of fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. Lack of purpose. Um, you know, both asking a lot of the same questions around that and having these these conversations with them. And there's things in their life that they, they can't control, and there's things that they can control. Both of those things are bringing a lack of peace and anxiety in their life. And so the question I keep going back to is, how can we have peace even in the midst of life's chaos, even in the midst of anxiety? And I want to kind of go through some practical things that we can actually do, right? Sweet. So the first one is this. I mean, hands down, plain and simply, if you don't have it, you got to do it. And if you don't know how, just learn, start talking, have a conversation, but you got to pray consistently in your life. Mm -hmm. You got to pray and have some type of quiet and meditation to where you can simply talk to God of the universe and just breathe out, right? Mm -hmm. Just just breathe out your anxiety, your worry, your fear, your doubt, and simply just surrender in prayer and conversation to God. Yeah. Well, and honestly, Paul, I think for, for a lot of us today who hear that message, what prayer actually is, is difficult to wrap our mind around. Yeah. Because a lot of times, especially if we hear we have to pray every day, okay, well, here's the time I've set aside to do that. We kind of put God on in our time, in our zone, yep. and it's nice. Maybe it's peaceful, maybe it's relaxing, but I think you're describing something a little deeper where we actually give God the space to be the Lord of our life because yep. we can't surrender to someone who's on our schedule. Absolutely. I think we overcomplicate prayer, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, I think God just wants us to spend time with him. You know, if we could carve out some quiet time, some space, just talk. Like, you don't even have to be a professional prayer <laughs> know all the scriptures and know where to go. A professional prayer. Like just simply like have a conversation with God. If you could carve out some quiet time in your day. And what I find is that the fruit of that is that because life's so chaotic and I find myself going from one thing to the other and, you know, I have, I worry about jobs and, and money and family and, you know, carpooling and all the things that everyone else deals with. So what I find is the fruit of, if I carve out that quiet time, that even throughout my day, I find myself just breathing out, surrendering, and talking to God. God, man, this is a stressful day. I just need to, I just need to let go. I need to surrender, right? Yeah, and we surrender to a person who's actually alive. Yeah, right. It's not to a concept or to a way of life or to a moral code, but there's a person in my life who's present to me, who loves me, who is with me, and and this call to surrender is not to this idea but to a person who's there right, right. who's here a absolutely and god's grace through the spirit you know moves in our life to help us to surrender and, and to be at peace right so what do we do secondly with the things that we cannot change and control during our day and this is where 
uh, as a fruit of our prayer and our conversation with God is what to surrender. Like honestly, the thing that that will lead us to the most peace and pull us out of anxiety is simply the ability to let go of the things that we're worried about. Mm-hmm. Scripture talks about it. Why worry about this? Why worry about that? Right? Uh, like, what if? Our life, when we're hit with this long list of things that we cannot control, you know, we can't control maybe someone who's who's sick, uh, someone who's suffering, a, a friend that hates us, uh, you know, a boss that that's hard to work for. Uh, we, you know, how much you know money we're bringing in this month. Uh, there's certain things we just can't control. Why do we let it steal our peace? Why do we let it bring anxiety? It's because we don't let go of it, actually. Hmm. Well, how, how do you develop that skill? Because, I mean, there are aspects of my life that I find easy to let go and some aspects that are not. So, like, what, what, is it, what does it look like to work on that? So let me ask you a question. If everything was easy to let go of, how would your prayer life be? It wouldn't be as good. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest. We wouldn't have much to talk about. We wouldn't have much to talk about. <laughs> so, like, I think there's things in our life that constantly bring us to the Lord, bring us to our knees, and like, Lord, help me surrender this. I can't control it. I think it's constant. It's consistent where we're able just to, to continuously surrender the things that we can't control, to breathe out and let that anxiety go, and God just breathe into us saying, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to take care of it. Trust in me. Yeah, I think you're just you're describing the adventure that the apostles went on with Jesus because, I mean, in one respect, they let go of a lot in the beginning, right? but they only began to let go, right? Because they had to keep letting go. Even after Pentecost, they had to keep letting go of a lot of things and surrendering to God and, and yep. trusting. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's the adventure of the church, I guess. Yeah, so the things that we can't control, we have to learn to trust and surrender. Uh, so every day I deal with those things. I'm hit with a list. I'm hit with uh, different you know, things that, that bombard me or make me worry, put me into fear, spin me into some type of, you know, thoughts about myself or about my situation. And I constantly have to be reminded to surrender those things that I can't control. Okay. Here's the third thing. The, what about the things that we can control? So I'm in these, you know, individual meetings with, you know, lately with these, these guys and, we're getting to the point where there's certain action that can be taken. So there's things that we can control. So what action items can you actually begin to put in place to say, there's actually some things that I can do to move forward. It might not, you might not solve everything right now. Right? So I'm meeting with one guy, he's overweight. You know, he, he doesn't have a consistent job. Uh, what can you do? What kind of action items can you put in place so you can start feeling better about yourself? Start eating right, right? Exercising, you know, whatever the case may be, action items that you could put in place. And once we start making small baby steps forward, we begin to to find that that uh, the anxiety begins to leave because we're making progress mm-hmm. in our life. Yeah, well, and I love the way you prioritize prayer before this because, you know, the, the typical self-help book or... Our video will start here, right. right? Like make baby steps, set goals, achieve those goals, feel great about yourself. But that's very shallow unless those little goals came from Jesus, right? Like if we, we have a conviction, God, I think you're asking me to make this little change. Right. 
because that makes all the difference in the world. Because if, we, if we're convicted that God wants us to do something and then we do it, that strengthens our relationship with him. It makes us more mature as human beings and Christians, and we achieve the goal we set out to do. So there's, there's really this, I think, very important Christian dimension to what you're describing that brings about that real peace. Because without it, if we're just achieving goals and we feel great about ourselves, but it's not because Jesus called us to, it's a very, you know, shallow way to live, really. Yeah, and sometimes we make those small steps forward, then then doors begin to open because mm-hmm. we, we begin to feel confident, we begin to see God move, you know, so it's like your girlfriend wants to break up with you, but all she's asking is that you move out of your parents' house, right? <laughs> like, take that step, right? Mm-hmm. Become an adult. You know, this one, one guy I was talking to, he wants a career change. I was like, here's your action items. Why don't you call three people this week and network mm-hmm. and see if it's a possibility to move forward? Right. And and like all of a sudden he's he's starting to like have a, a new sense of life, right? And, yeah. and like hope. Uh instead of just sitting, thinking, and like almost spinning himself into depression overthinking this but not networking. One guy was like, I think I don't think people like me. And I was like, I think that's a lie. I mm-hmm. want you to call two people this week and just just a friend that you haven't heard from in a while and just talk. You know, build some action items that pull you out of your anxiety mm-hmm. into reality, right? Because when we don't live in reality of who God made us to be, who he created us to be in his image and likeness, then we just make stuff up about ourselves and about our situation. Yeah. Yeah, and if, and if we're praying, if we're listening to Jesus, like the truth will be in our life, right? Through our friends, right. through those network, also in prayer, and and really anxiety goes away when Jesus speaks. Absolutely. Right? I mean maybe it's just for that moment, maybe it's for that moment in but when truth comes from a friend or you know into our life through our Lord, anxiety goes away. Yeah, and I'm and I don't think it goes away. I know that anxiety subsides when we're able to breathe and pray and have peace that Jesus is going to take care of things, okay? Now, if your anxiety is out of control, it's spinning you into deep depression. Yeah, get counseling, right? Yep. Uh, find find some help that can that can pull you out of that. But f- for most of us on the everyday situations of life, we all deal with anxiety and stress, and this is what we're talking about. God wants us to really live in peace, but but there's a you know it's a it's an ebb and flow of of this back and forth which leads us into prayer constantly lord i surrender lord i need you lord you know i i'm you know i i got i got a lot of anxiety and to be able to breathe that out so here's my encouragement to pray to surrender the things that you can't control and to put some action items in place to the things that you can't control mhm I think that's a good plan. And we'll call that the art of surrender. Surrendering. Well, I'll work on that over the next week. I'll let you know how it <laughs> you goes. You do a pretty good job at it, man. <laughs> you do a pretty good job. All right, it's the Paul George Show. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org.
All right, welcome back to the show. Right here, right now. Right now. It's kind of nice when, I don't ha- when we don't have a guest because uh, you don't have to disappear in the dunce corner. That's true. Put on your little duncey hat. Yeah. Cry in the corner. Suck your thumb. I enjoy guests, but you know, Paul. We've I'm, met a lot of people on the show. You betcha. A lot of people. It's been a it's been a blast, and I like having guests too. Uh, and but I do like having certain you know when you have a guest, it kind of takes you off topic of some of the things that you want to get to and discuss, right? And the show like today, really able to discuss you know the art of surrender, anxiety, talking about those themes that I, that have been on on my list of things to talk about. But when you have a guest, you know the content's kind of driven around yeah what they bring, which is usually great stuff, but you know, it's off topic of, of all the things that we have written on our wall of topics that we have to get to. It's a big wall. It's a huge, huge wall. It's a lot of things to talk about. All right. So anyway, I told you about a friend of mine who sent me the graphic of me and the NBA player. Mm -hmm. So I pulled it up. I found it. And maybe I should just send this out on my social media. I don't know. You can coach me on that. You're a millennial. You might increase his book sales too. But anyway, so it's a screenshot from Amazon and he just typed in, in the search Paul George book, and so the two books that came up. Well, at least your first were, were "Rethink Happiness" uh, by Paul George, and then right under that is uh, Paul George, the inspiring story of one of basketball's most dynamic small forwards. Wow! And, and they're literally right under each other. Are you so, taller than him? So he think? screenshot it and sent it to me. No, he's six seven, dude. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Small forward in the NBA is six seven. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just didn't know how tall he was. <laughs> taller, <laughs> way taller. That you could probably fit in his back pocket. Oh, yeah. You're like, hey, hey, buddy. Yeah. All right, anyway, how about the six-pack of questions? Question. Question number one. I'm going to embarrass you a little bit, but you, sir, recently had an event called a book signing. Yeah. Your first question. Yeah. What was that like? What was the experience like? Totally out of my lane. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't like it. I love talking to people, meeting mm-hmm. people, but not because they'll have a book or I'm signing anything. Like, I could care less about that. So, in that regard, it was great talking to people and just like, hey, how are you? Maybe seeing some old friends or family. Uh, but as far as, like, the other part, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. It's kind signing of Signing your name a whole bunch of times. Yeah, like, I don't really care about that. <laughs> but I do hope the book gets in the people's hands and has an impact on their life i mean that's what i hope but anyway so it went well and thanks to to art garrett at at katiana religious books and religious catholic books and religious who set it up and did the whole deal yeah yeah they're so much better than a katian non-religious yeah yeah yeah. that that store is not good yeah what i love about the stores it's next to the bowling alley and i don't know what the meaning is there but i'm gonna find it Some spiritual analogy. There's got to be something. <laughs> All right, question number two. So we talked about surrender today, and that is often like the main theme of retreats that are geared toward like onboarding Christians, right? Like, so maybe, you know, a lot of people at a particular retreat, maybe a youth conference or something, and they're kind of thinking about this God thing for the first time. And surrender is usually like the main theme. Um, why is that? Tell me about like why surrender is so important, especially for those who need to get into the faith to begin with. I mean, I think it's because people who haven't been walking in relationship with Jesus, with God, 
have been carrying the load for so long. Uh, and the load could be physical, emotional, spiritual, the, the lack of questions and meaning that we have and the confusion. And the surrender is like Jesus on the cross took all that and cares. And for someone who maybe does that or hears that for the first time, it could be a really powerful moment. It could it can be a true beginning of conversion, right? So mm-hmm. it's not surrender for the sake of emotion. It's surrender for the sake of, gosh, I've been carrying this for so long. And this is the first time anybody has ever told me that I could surrender it and that there's a God who cares enough to take it from me. And so that to me is pretty powerful for people. Yeah. All right, question number three is related. Okay. Can you share with me kind of a dramatic example of that surrender of someone who's been carrying it for so long, maybe their life is just way off track and then is able to get to a point where they just give it all up, give it to Jesus? Well, there's nothing more dramatic than the cross. You know, (laughs) Jesus didn't carry his own anxiety, sin, or worry, but the world's. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think when we look at the cross, I mean, there's nothing more dramatic than that. You know, so I always think it's so funny when, uh, you know, people say, you know, you know, at a retreat, you know, you're pulling emotions or drama. I'm like, was there more drama than, than the world stopping at the crucifixion? You know, like clouds turn black, right? Like pretty dramatic scene to me and, uh, and murdering. But, but to answer your question even full, like, um, I've, I've literally have been talking to, to adult people even who have just in the moment of complete breakdown have got on their knees and just surrendered their whole life to Jesus mm-hmm. and like have confessed and I'm not a priest, right. But have just confessed like all their sin, like crying of like, you know, committed adultery. I've done this, I've stolen I've, and just literally pouring out their heart to God in this moment of true, true conversion has been uh, some pretty, you know, dramatic moments, right? That are so beautiful, though. So beautiful. Hmm. That's awesome. All right, question number four. So there's this pressure to have all of our stuff together, like, all the time. Or to pretend like it. Or pretend like it. And even, even if we're serious Christians, serious Catholics we have this sense that we really should have all of our stuff together. Right. What's the truth there and what's the lie there? Like how do we how do we navigate that pressure? Yeah, I mean the reality is in Romans, you know, St. Paul writes he says we're we're all imperfect and fall short of the glory of God. So, you know, in comparison to God and comparison to perfection, like we're always going to fall short. We're we're broken, we're imperfect. I think to pretend like we're imperfect, you've you've already lost yourself. If you're pretending and you're not authentic, right? Mm-hmm. You're completely off track. Just stop. <laughs> Just stop pretending and find people you can be honest with. That's the first step. The second step is if you're completely just living in this you know, well, I'm broken and I'm imperfect and I'm just always going to be like that. Stop that too. Mm-hmm. Because God wants to work in your life and move you forward and fix the broken pieces over time and help you get better and help you not just live in this like, well, I'm always like this. No, God wants to move you forward too. So on both ends of those spectrum, God wants to do something in your life. And as as long as we're, we're open, say, God, you know, you work in me, do in me the work, and, and I will partner along with you, right, 
to make that happen. I got to get better at these things. I, I got, I know this attitude of this behavior can continue, right? Mm-hmm. I find the people who admit that they're broken do the most work than those who pretend like they're not. So. Wow. All right. Question number five. So the devil's a real thing, right? Yeah, yep. Okay. And yep. Temptation and all these things. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about surrender, it just made me think of this idea of, you know, we use the term surrender normally in armies and wars and stuff like I give up. Right. Um, how, how real in your experience with people is this reality of, of, you know, there's something that doesn't want me to surrender to God in my life, you know, and, and there's going to be a lot of pressure to not do this. Cause it seems like the most natural thing in the world to give God everything. It's almost like there's someone who's trying to keep us from doing that all the time, all the time. You know, a real technique of the enemy, like if you want to just sum out up, like one of the tactics that the enemy uses, Satan uses, is just simple. So he he takes a truth about who we are, about what the church is, about who God is, and he turns it into a lie. He just has to switch a roo. Or he does the opposite. He takes a lie that's about us, about the church, about God, about someone else, and he, he makes it seem like it's true. And, and that's how the enemy works in our mind. You know, it makes us believe something about ourselves that we're not, makes us, you know, fight with people that's not real. You know, it's constant just teasing of our mind and our heart. This is what happened with Adam and Eve. It's like, no, that's not really what God said. He just basically took a truth of God and switched it into a lie, or took a lie and switched it into a truth. And this is, this is the tactic of an enemy. So if you want to know how the enemy is going to try to attack you in your life, uh, look at the areas of your life where that's happening, you know, whether it be internally in your mind about yourself, whether it be about the church, about God, or about others. Question number six. So, Paul George, what do you think is the main problem we have in surrendering to God? Today in our culture, in our Catholic life in America today, what's the main thing keeping us to just say, all right, God, you're in control? That's a great question, and I love how you let it end with question number six. Yep. You're just such in a weird mood, man. I'm such a character. You really are. I wish people could see a picture of you <laughs> what a, what being characteristic. <laughs> anyway, that, that is a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, I think one is fear. Uh, we're so afraid of what might happen if we surrender, we let go. Mm-hmm. And I think at the root of fear is control. Like, we just want control over our life. We want control over our future. We want control over the moment. We want control over, you know, our, our image, our, our money, our, our everything. We want control. We want control. And, and we're so afraid to let it go. And I've, I've shared this before, but, you know, in surrender, uh, the, the only way to get air in a parachute is to jump. And if you never jump, air will never get in a parachute. And I believe that, that we're all in, quote, unquote, you know, sort of this image. We're, we're born with the ability. We're born with parachutes on, like the ability to, to live life to the full. God co- talks about that in Scripture. But if we never jump, we never experience the life that God has for us. And so control keeps us on the edge of the cliff, honestly. And pride, I think. Pride and ego. If you look at ego as an acronym, so silly, but edging God out. Like we just push God out and it's our pride that does that. Like we just think that we have all the answers and we can do it all. And, 
you know, I think at the end of the day, we know deep down in our heart that we need more than ourselves to find the answers to life. And that's only through a relationship with Jesus, honestly. And he teaches us how to surrender. Like, he didn't have to do that. Like, like, like he said yes to the Father because we needed that yes to live. And he took it on the cross for us. And so, particularly for a lot of men who have a hard time surrendering, just take a gander at the crucifix for, for a moment. And that's, that's the model and the imagery for us. Like, to, to completely surrender to God's will, that's where we find true peace and resurrection. What happened three days later? Jesus rose from the dead, right? The angels rejoiced. Death was defeated. God had won. We know the end of the story. Hello, through our surrender, we have new life. Like, there it is, constant. And so we have to let go. We have to jump, and we have to get air in our parachute to live the life that God wants. Wow. Great show, Paul. Boom. There we go. So anyway, thanks for listening. You can find the show on iTunes or SoundCloud. You go to the website, paulgeorge.la, or discovertheartofliving.com. You can share the show. You can even donate uh, to support the show to become a partner. And you can find the book, Rethink Happiness, on the website or on Amazon. And so anyway, as much as you can get behind the ministry we do, Adam, thanks so much. It's great. Appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. Paul Joe Show. We'll be back next week. God bless.